Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. You'd be surprised, maybe you wouldn't, but I have been heckled, not affectionately when I when I've preached. But uh, my my ego is pretty tender today, so I would appreciate if you didn't. <laughs> that was another era, and it wasn't Jubilee Church. All right. Well, hey, uh, this week I've been reflecting uh, a bit with gratitude, I might say on our journey as a church from our very fragile beginnings, which, uh, man, frankly, on the outside, it didn't look good that uh, we would be viable. And we had this big vision, which sounded like, what have you been smoking? Uh, That uh, the churches we wanted to plant and the training we wanted to do and be a resource base uh, across the, the lands and uh, train leaders to go out and start churches and be a base, a center for all that. And uh, looking around at 22 people, I'm surprised they didn't have me hauled off to the funny farm right away. <laughs> but uh, thinking about that, and so, some of you are probably at last year our 25th anniversary. How many of you were here for that? Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, actually, this is our 26th anniversary this month. Yeah, I know. You could have yelled a little bit better than that, but that's all right. <laughs> but in thinking about our history, because uh, believe it or not, a lot of churches start out pretty well uh, well, the ones that make it, start out pretty well, and they increase and have a v- varying degrees of fruitfulness. But somewhere around the 20th year, in the 20s, 25th year, uh, they, they're basically the, the life and vitality has gone out of those churches, and uh, ultimately they begin to decline and die. And so this particular season where we have just enjoyed the fruitfulness of God, actually, uh, you need to think that it, there are some dangers associated with our success and the dangers of atrophy and complacency. And We wanted to be a reproducing church and a resource, and we are, to train and equip. And God has blessed us because we understand this. God blesses us not just for us, but for them. He blesses us for them. God blessed Israel so that they would bless the nations. The psalmist says the reason God blesses us is to bless them. And so we always want to be that. For that purpose we exist, and that's our desire and our passion, is to connect people with Jesus and to see them added into a loving community, church like ours, uh, with relationships. We want God's family to increase Uh, not only here in St. Louis in our neighborhood, but also uh, throughout the state and the nations and ultimately the world. And so we've had these values uh, that are in place that are part of who we really are. How do you describe 
a particular family. Well, this is how I describe our family. We are, we are a community of relationships. Life is basically in our community groups where we're caring for one another and helping one another. We are a church that have a f strong foundation of grace uh, and we value the integrity of the scripture and we value the, the flowing of, of the Holy Spirit and we value training and strengthening other churches and other leaders and we, we, we value the poor and have a ministry. We want to, uh, to be generous with the poor and we practice generosity. One of the main things that you would say about us is, is prayer. We have always been a praying church because in, when we pray, we are expressing our absolute dependence on God and not on ourselves and that we need to hear from God and give us direction as to how he wants to lead his church. I heard a pastor say once when he was going to, to plant another church, he'd already started several different churches, and he was praying about it, and he said, God spoke to him and said, uh, when he said, what kind of church should I plant? And God said, I've seen your church, would you like to see mine? Woo! That's the kind of church we want, one that is, is, is God's and expresses who he is. Primarily, we are a sent people. God calls us on his mission. He saves us out of sin. He saves us out of to save us into. So it's just not a rescue mission, but he saves us into uh, his purpose. Now, I'm going to do something because we need more ministers. How many of you agree we need more ministers? Not too many hands there. We're tired of the ones we have. Do we need more? No. <laughs> I want you all to stand up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something real special. You're going to leave this building different today than you came in. We're going to have an ordination service now for more ministers. Isn't that great? Yeah. Okay, let me read the scripture for it first, all right? It's 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. Are you ready? Okay, I need your... Audience participation. Yeah. I want you to turn to someone and say, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Now this, is who, now, this is who we are. Then you're going to say this. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Now, how does God make his appeal out there? It says, God making his appeal through us. Say that. God making his appeal through us. All right. You're all ordained to the ministry now when we dismiss you. You will all go out and being ministers of reconciliation, you're going to carry the message of reconciliation. You are an ambassador when you leave this place. 
You may be seated. If you got that, now we'll dismiss. <laughs> Jubilee, you are a sent people. That's what the scripture is saying. You've been sent to be a part of what God is doing on the earth. Uh, we, we <laughs> it's wonderful. I'm so pleased to be in a room full of ministers of reconciliation. <laughs> and we certainly need this in our land, don't we? But from our very beginning, that's what we've been. We want to see you empowered to do the work of ministry. And so, uh, to be a training base, to be a strengthening base, to have you participate. We also do that outside of ourselves. We give ourselves to strengthen churches. The conference that's coming up this week, you know, basically we're hosting this Confluence Conference, which is to bring leaders together throughout the nation that they might be strengthened and they might be equipped. That's you. You're a part of this. And it's amazing. God's building a family of churches. And so we are involved in that, to see churches strengthened. The scripture says in Acts 1.8, actually it's the words of Jesus. He says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. It kind of works this way. If you go to a pond and you throw a stone in the pond, concentric circles, you know, where the, where the rock hit and then more circles and more circles. And that's what God wants us to be. One of those. We start with our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world. It's not just St. Louis it's, or Sunset Hills. It's beyond that. It's the world as well. It, we want to reach the world. We want to bless our city. We want to bless the state. We want to bless the nation. We want to bless the world, nations of the world. And actually, I could go through a litany of stories of how we've done that in the past. Places we've sent people, where we've helped start churches, where we're serving. You know, it's interesting. When we sent, uh, from, the, from the city location, we sent uh, Dylan and Rebecca Neely to Kansas City to start a church which is, by the way, really booming. It's really doing well. I mean, all went through COVID. You don't plant churches during COVID. Well, went, went through that, and phew, it's doing uh, really well. I thought you'd be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> We're part of a family here. That, that it's not just about us, just not about all the people we can get and hold to ourselves. It's about, we want to see Kansas City reach. We want to see this whole area reach, South County. We want to see the city reach. We, we want to see nations reached. And uh, we participate with our family of churches around the globe, in fact and partner with them and join with them where there is needs. And you've, you've heard reports here of vast sums of money that you, we've given from, to, to assist what's happening in Turkey and what's, what's happening in the Ukraine and the drought that's happening in Kenya. We're part of a global family. And it's a good thing is we're not just working through NGOs when we do that. We're actually working through the pastors that are on the ground in that place that we are connected to as one global family. Isn't that an amazing thing? And this think, it started 26 years ago with a handful of people. This is what God is doing. It's just, you need to hear this news now and then. <laughs> it's significant. And we never want to stop. We never want to become complacent. We want to do it again and again. And we don't want our 26th year to be 
the loss of enthusiasm and passion to where we start down the other side. We want it to be the launching pad into a magnificent future that God has for us, seeing people's lives changed, families turned around, people finding addictions broken off of them, people finding healing and love and grace. That's what we want. So I'm going to draw your attention now. You say, well, what's this guy's scripture? I'm going to give you one now. So this is official. All this was is just, you know, introduction to good stuff. It's yet to come. Uh, it's in Joshua 1, and it's, it carries a mandate accompanied with a promise. And this is where Israel had uh, been traveling in the wilderness for 40 years. God had taught them a lot of things. He'd done miracles for them in the wilderness. He had fed them and he'd given them water. And he had, uh, their clothes didn't wear out. Think of that. My, my wife wouldn't like that. She likes to shop for new stuff. But anyway, <laughs> their clothes, I mean, it's the miracle how God sustained them. Water from the rock and all this kind of stuff. Food came from heaven every day. But he, he gave them the commandments. He gave them a culture and a value system and taught them how to be the people of God. And now they've come to their future, really, which lies across the Jordan River. That's where their future is. That's the promise. There's more. I almost feel like we're there. God has given us a culture. He's given us a value system. He's done miracles. I mean, there's so many stories of miracles of what God has done to get us to this place. I almost feel like, okay, now it's time to look for the launching pad into the future that God has for us. Beyond them, there's this obstacle. The Jordan River was at flood stage, and people were of all ages. There were some, like, more mature people like me in age. There were some middle people like David here. There were some t teenagers and there were some babies. And there was this river that was flooded and we got to get across to the other side because that's where our future is. And God came to Joshua and this is what he said. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. God tells you something more than once because you really need this. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous and do not be frightened? Usually when he says don't be frightened, there are things that you would be frightened of normally, but he says don't do that. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Israel, we're a people of promise, just like you. In fact, all of God's people are. He miraculously delivered them out of the slavery of Egypt, and he made them a people. He made them a family. And that's what he did for you. He saved you. you see, you, were, you didn't do a self-help program. No, no, no. You were dead. Dead people don't do self-help programs. You were dead in trespasses and sins, and he made you alive. And he brought you into a family, and he set you in a community. It's, it's a miracle that he's done, just like he did for them. He's done for us. He took Israel on a journey where they learned what it was to be family of God. You've entered into what we are as a family, some of those values that I just spoke to you about earlier. He gave them a promise. 
And he gave them a destiny to be a people. And from that land, they were to be a blessing to the other nations of the world. And it's the same mandate that he's given us. From the position of blessing that he's given us, it's in order that we might be a blessing to other peoples and nations. They experienced miracles. We've experienced. We could, we could write a whole catalog of miracles and publish our stories, really. Just amazing what God has done for us. Miracles in, along our journey when things looked impossible, where we heard God in prayer meetings and we acted on that. and It was, seemed like a stupid thing to do, but it's what God was saying to us and it ended up not being stupid at all because, see, God doesn't tell us to do things that don't work. It's amazing. I remember when we bought this land that this building, uh, Sunset Hills Building, uh, sits on right here. We bought it and we, we drew up these plans of these plans, you know, it's like magnificent. We thought God led us to this property. We bought the land. We raised money. Next resource, you guys were given generously. We took our plans to the Sunset Hills City Alderman, full of confidence. We thought they would be absolutely excited because this land had been vacant for years, you know, because no one would approve it. And we presented our plan and they said, categorically, no. That's the last piece of property in Sunset Hills for any kind of business or industrial enterprise. And we don't need a church there. The guy said that, said that to us. I almost lost my sanctification. So, you know, then we found an alderman that was wanted to change their vote, so we went back 30 days later and presented our plan again, thinking, okay, now, and they said, no. We didn't change anything. And we went back the third time, and they said, no. And we were in a prayer meeting on a Wednesday morning, and I felt God spoke to me. I, I changed the mind of an obstinate Pharaoh. Basically, this is a no-brainer for God. I can change their mind. I began to pray that way. We went back the fourth time, and they said, yes! <laughs> what was it? Was it our charisma, of which we have a lot? Was it our <laughs> apologetic? No! It was God. He can change minds. He, we have lots of stories like that. It's amazing. And then when we started to build this building, this COVID hit and, and the city of St. Louis shut everything down. Remember that? Didn't even allow us to meet. So the direction of elders, we were all meeting and we were talking about projection of the potential of loss of income without meeting. What percentage would we drop? 20, 30%, I don't know. Should we, should we build this building now? Those are the questions. Now, good reason would say, yeah, you should hold off. But we said, no, we thought God told us to build this building. During COVID, with a possibility of a major loss of income, we built this building. And guess what? At the end of the year, you gave more money than you did the year before during COVID. It pays just to obey Jesus. The pro promises and prophecies of God are not passively received. They're actively apprehended. You lay hold of those things. Apprehending the promise to take the land doesn't come cheap. We have to be courageous. You can't be afraid. You can't be dismayed. 
And they had a promise that you do this, I'm with you. And that's all I need. You understand that? You don't need anything else. You don't need a fat checkbook. You just need to know that God's with you. That's what this church must always rely on. Is God with us? If he's with us, then nothing is impossible. We can do anything he's called us to do. Be courageous, be strong. Why? Because I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what I want. <laughs> you know, I don't want to, I'm like Moses. I, if God doesn't go, I don't, I'm not going, forget it. I don't, I, if his presence is not with me, I, I don't want to go. Look, what they inherited, that land didn't come cheap. And what you've inherited hasn't come cheap either. But I want you to know you're just as much a part of it regardless of when you entered into this family of church. Whether you did it 26 years ago, two months ago, one week ago. Fact is, who crossed the Jordan in the land of promise? Old guys like me and babies like some of you have. Matter of fact, a lot of you have. Babies. <laughs> they all were part of this. It's wonderful. I want you to know what you've been a part of. It's a history of people praying and believing God, obeying God. At Christmas a few years ago, I gathered my daughters, their husbands, grandchildren, several years ago, really. I had all grandgirls at that point. And I told them the story of our family history, of my grandfather, who was a raging, mean, wicked alcoholic. And one day he encountered Jesus and he became a street preacher. <laughs> and he took all the guff and started churches. And story of my dad and my mom and how God has saved us. And I told him some of the stories about our family. And be why, why, why did I want to know this family history? And then I prayed over each of them and laid hands on each of them and prayed and asked God for words over each of them and over the grand girls. Why did I do that? I wanted them to know what they were connected to. I wanted them to be aware of God's faithfulness to the family. I wanted it to influence their future. And that's what I'm trying to do today for you. I want it to influence your faith for the future. Jubilee Church, you've been a people of courage. You've been committed to God's direction. And I don't want you to ever lose that. I want you to hold on to that. And if you do that, we go across. We run into our future. Little by little, we'll take the land. We'll see God's glory begin to cover the earth. Not a stopping point at this point of blessing, but a launch pad into the future. You've been good. We've rented facilities. You set up on Sunday, you tore down on Sundays. You did that week after week. You've given money. Uh, you've, you've, uh, we wouldn't be here if you hadn't, that's for sure. You've changed methods. You, we've sent our leaders out. The, but the vision has remained constant and our values have remained constant and God has always remained constantly faithful to his people and to his plan. It's not about personalities. It's not about having great charismatic preachers and leaders. I was about to say something, but I don't need to. <laughs> I want to commend you for your courage and your generosity. Now, the necessity of courage. The word courage actually means, what it means to be battle-ready 
in spirit and to be vigorous. It's an active word. It's not a, not a passive word. Webster defines it as heart. It is to have heart. You know, when you get discouraged, you lose heart, right? But it's to have heart. Courage enables us to face distractions and difficulties with firmness. And you won't maintain faith and keep on mission and obtain God's promise uh, without dealing with this issue of courage. To be on the front foot and to resist apathy and complacency and getting too comfortable is one of the dangers. One of the great dangers is to get too comfortable. We need courage to face the issue of keeping faith. We've just gone through a series, I think four weeks, on deconstruction. And people are questioning values in this country. They're, they're, they're deconstructing everything. They're, they're, uh, e even in the church, people are deconstructing their faith and are questioning their faith and all of that. Well, it takes courage to keep the faith. To not give in to that spirit that works. To be faithful to our heritage and values and our calling and our belief in God. We have to deal with faith. We face these new challenges. It takes courage to, fa to face the issue of being faithful to accomplish God's purposes and promises, whatever he's called us to do. You know, a great challenge for us as a church space at this stage is it, it takes courage to face the challenge of our own fruitfulness. God has blessed us. God has caused us to be fruitful. Here's what the danger of fruitfulness is that you can become enamored with our own success and fruitfulness and become too comfortable. It's easy to come into a place like this. All the amazing things, great people leading worship, loving Jesus, children's workers doing a great job, all the volunteers throughout this, uh, this, this comfortable building and this, whatever this thing is back here that does all this stuff. <laughs> And you get too comfortable. And you, you can actually say, be, become an entertainment base, rather, consumeristic. And, and you can become passive and complacent, and that's going to kill us. I'm here to grab you by the throat this morning and tell you, don't do that. To forget who we are and why God called us in the first place to be a family. The biggest enemies we face are not out there, they're inside. Right in here, in here. And we have to be aware of that. The, the enemy to become lethargic, domesticated. I don't want you domesticated. I want you wild and risky, you got that. To become complacent, to lose our passion, to lose our vision, to become weary, and lose our sense and awe of the presence of God. It takes courage to face that challenge. It takes courage to face the issue of having corporate goals rather than just personal ones. Here's the danger. Two and a half tribes of Israel were happy to settle on the east side of the Jordan and not come over because the land was more conducive to livestock, which is what they were. And they said, Moses, hey, don't make us go over. We're happy staying on the east side. And Moses said, what? Your brother's going to go over there and fight, and you're not going to help him? They said, oh, no, okay. We'll go over and help him. Moses, if you help, you join in with the corporate goals of this community, then afterwards, after the land is settled, you can come back 
and have this? They said, good. And so when Joshua assumed leadership, they reminded him of that. Here's the point. Our goals must not be just personal goals, but corporate goals. Here's what happens. You know, I've put my time in at the church. I've done this. I've volunteered. I'll do that. I need a little time to myself. You know, so I think I'll just kind of lay off this quarter, okay? Listen, when you begin to choose personal goals over corporate goals, we're on the downhill slide here. Don't let that happen to you. Because the key to fulfilling your personal goals is maintaining corporate life and purpose. You got that? Your family will see that. You'll see that. The key to fulfilling personal goals is maintaining our corporate goals. Don't let go. There's the courage facing the issue of our remaining together. They said to Joshua, we'll stay together until the work's done. The Bible says in Acts 4.32, when that church was facing problems and issues, said the full number of those who believe, the full number, I like that, the full, that means everybody, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. You can't stop a train like that. When we are a people of one heart and one soul, and that's what happened to that church. We intend to see St. Louis hear the gospel. We need to stay together, one heart, one soul, not allow murmuring or get dismayed or get discouraged and lose heart or apathy or complacency, which oftentimes follow fruitfulness and success. We're not going to do that. Little by little, they would take the land. I'd like it to be faster, but little by little, we're going to accomplish what God's called us to do in this city and beyond. You hear me? We will do it. We will do it. And if this would be my last message to you, which it probably isn't, but who knows? <laughs> Depends on the review I'm going to get. I don't know. <laughs> I would say something like this. Jubilee Church, remain faithful to your heritage and faithful to God's objectives. I would remind you this. I would remind you that behind you is a foundation, but in front of you is a mission. I would remind you that behind you is a legacy, but in front of you is a destiny. I would say to you, be faithful to your past and faithful to the high calling that is before you. It takes courage. Be strong and courageous. Oh, last thing I'm going to say, because i got to go into the city and do this, so i got to stop. <laughs> it has to do with following God's presence. Following God's presence takes us beyond our comfort zone. These people had to commit to go into the Jordan River. Think about it. You're holding your little baby. You walk in. You look up. There's a heap of water being held back. By God knows who, what. You know, it's just there. It could let go at any moment. And, 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 and you're walking into that. It takes you beyond your comfort zone. The, the, the priests walked the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God, into the waters, and the water heaped back. And the children of Israel were told, follow the presence of God. Keep focused on God's presence. Keep looking at the ark. And they went in to the, which is now the dry riverbed. 
and they focused on the presence of God. They had to commit to go beyond their comfort zone and to a point of no return. Let me just say, if when you follow Jesus, we really follow him, it will take you beyond your comfort zone. And it will take you to a point of no return. The point of our reference in this church should be, has to be, the presence of God. If God's presence is not with us, we're no different than the Rotary Club or the Odd Fellows. Maybe just a little more odd, but we're not. The point of reference for progress is the presence of God, and that's our focal point. The presence of God. I want God's presence. What's happening at Ashbury is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. What's drawing all of these people? It's the presence of God. What's going to affect our neighborhoods and cities is when we are a people of God's presence? And that becomes a priority for us. And it's enough for us. Keep your eye on the Ark of the Covenant. And we move forward into purpose. We move forward into the future that God has for us. It's not comfortable, but I wouldn't want it to be any other way. I'll go for the point of no return. Nothing to go back to. There's something to go into. We're committed to this. We're committed to this. Now I want us to stand. I'm going to ask you to, you know, it's, there's nothing uh, very holy about closing your eyes or doing something with your hands, except it just registers something to my, my, my personhood. Would you just close your eyes and hold your hands in a receiving mode, like right, like this. You're going to receive something. And close your eyes. This is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask God to come for his presence to come up on you. Be patient. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, God. We're hungry for your presence. Manifest your presence now. Now, some of you have not experienced God's presence for a while. You got caught up in life. He's coming right now. He's here in this room. You hear me? He's here. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Rest upon this church. Sense his presence. Sense him. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. You're accessible, you're near, and you're not far away. And this morning, maybe you should avail yourself to receiving prayer. Maybe you've not been practicing God's presence and you haven't experienced his presence for a while. Let someone pray for you. Just say, hey, I, I, I need to connect to God's presence. Maybe some of you, the joy of your salvation has waned. We get someone to pray for you up here. When the prayer people at the end of the meeting come up and say, I need to re-experience the joy of my salvation. Drink deeply of His Spirit and commit to the future that God has for us.